The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Save big money on everything. Now at Menards. Make quick work of your outdoor cleaning project with Masterforce Outdoor and Landscaping Tools. The 80-volt cordless trimmer is powerful, efficient, and hassle-free. So you spend less time working on your yard and more time enjoying the results. On sale now through May 19th. Check out our wide selection of Masterforce tools and see the rest of our deals on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. The Jericho Network on Westwood One. All right, Corey Taylor is back on Talk is Jericho. He had such a great time last time he had to return. This time we're going to talk about his new book. Get ready for this title. <clears throat> me, 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 me. You're making me hate you. A cantankerous look at the common misconception that humans have any common sense left. Yeah, <laughs> There's a title for you. And even better, it's Corey's third book. I'm starting to get mad at him because he's caught up to me now. I've got to write a fourth book just to stay on him, stay on his trail. And wait till you hear what happens when I try to get him to say that book title. Uh, I'm not sure if he even knows it himself. We also talk a lot about music, including Stone Sour's upcoming cover EP and how the newest members of Slipknot are settling into the band. And of course, you know there's going to be lots of ridiculous humor and funny laughs with Corey Taylor. Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho, mama. Talk is me. All right, welcome to Talk is Jericho, the pot of thunder and rock and roll. The remedy for boredom has arrived. The People's Podcast is here. Let's go for a ride with the terror of the Franken-Chicken. Franken-Chicken, he's a bad motherfucker. Franken-Chicken, bop, bop. 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 Yeah, that's right. Franken-Chicken, uh, inspired by Corey Taylor. <laughs> When he was on the last uh, last time he was on Talk is Jericho, you can go check that out on iTunes uh, and see all the hilarity that happened last time and all the hilarity that happened this time. You can also go on the podcast app. That's how I listen to podcasts. I'm excited to have Corey back. Maybe we'll write another song uh, based on something we say on this show. Uh, you'll hear why Clown from Slipknot calls him Lizard. What happened the, f- the first time he used face paint on stage with Slipknot instead of a uh, mask? Hear which TV reality show he turned down more than once and hear his take on Bruce Jenner becoming Caitlyn Jenner. He's going to tell you how it all works because he knows all about that, apparently. He's also sharing some of the rants from his latest book, You're Making Me Hate You, a cantankerous look at the common misconception that humans have any common sense left. Really funny stuff to hear and to read. And speaking of funny stuff to watch, if you're looking for something more to make your laughs go, ha, 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 he, he, ha, ha, ha. Check out my Comedy Central digital series, Nothing to Report. Thanks to you guys. We're over a million and a half views. And I'll let you know if Comedy Central gives us the green light to make some more episodes. I hope they do. I mean, they should. I mean, it's... uh 
It's been a, a very big success, a very big hit, and so was uh, the intensity in 10 cities. Oh, my goodness. What a crazy, crazy run that I had. Told you all about it. Went from – I'll see if I can remember it off the top of my head. It was Las Vegas, Orlando, uh, Des Moines, Sioux City, Boston, Reading, Orlando again, Tampa, Tokyo, Tokyo. So it was a lot of touring a different city every night, and it went really good, culminating with the uh, WWE Network special Beast in the East, which I thought was a great idea and a great special. And it was really, if you haven't seen it yet, you got to go check it out on the WWE Network. It's up now on demand whenever you want to watch it. And the idea behind it was it was just basically uh, airing uh, a live event, a house show. Which is something I remember seeing back in the 80s. They would air uh, full cards from Maple Leaf Gardens. I think they used to do that on the MSG network as well. So you would basically just see the whole show uh, from start to finish with no real bells and whistles. No fancy pants, lights or bombs or lasers or pyro. Just a good old-fashioned wrestling show. And that's exactly what Beast of the East was. So it kicked off with me versus Adrian Neville. Or just Neville, if you're a WWE fan. Apparently, uh, it's hard to keep your first names in the uh, in the WWE, as uh, Cesaro and Batista and uh, Neville and all these guys know. But it kicked off with us. The show itself did not kick off with our match, though there was a couple matches before that. The show started at 6 p.m., and then we went live on the network on 6.30 p.m. So we're in Tokyo, which I believe was like 5.30 a.m. here in the States, but a lot of people watched it live, and I had a blast. I mean, I had a blast of both days working. I worked with Finn Balor uh, on the uh, on the first show on the Friday, and then I worked with Neville on the second show on the Saturday. And I, I don't mind saying I, I I feel that we tore the house down with both on both those matches, and I really really enjoyed both the matches. Never worked with either one of them uh, until that night in Tokyo in front of the raucous Tokyo crowd, which is like I mentioned last show was my 45th or 43rd. I can't remember which one it is between the 43rd and 45th tour of Japan. So, um, and I know uh, the first night, I, Baylor goes over Jericho, and then the next night he goes over Owens and becomes the NXT champion. So you can see the story that he told, because believe it or not, people, if you're listening to this show, I actually have a really good name value in Japan. I've been going there for many years, won many titles, had many main events in New Japan, WAR, FMW, and of course WWE as well, and had classic matches, a lot of them. I don't mind saying, once again, I understand the Japanese fans. I know what they like. I know what I like. I know uh, how to put together a match there. Well, I know how to put together a match. Let's just leave it at that. So the first night when Balor beat me, it was a big deal in Japan. And it also really set the tone for what he was about to do the next night in beating Owens. And then uh, the second night working with uh, Neville, I beat Neville in a killer match that was 17 minutes long. And there's still a lot of you that are still very hung up on what a win and a loss means. Now, I know when I had Shawn Michaels on the show and he says, you know, wins and losses matter. Yes, they do. Yes, you're damn right that they do. But more importantly is how does the match spotlight each guy, right? So the the, the Neville match, you're dealing with a guy that, that's basically just starting out against a six-time world champion and a guy who's been to Japan many, many times. So it's like, well, what what good does Jericho have in winning the match? First of all, I don't book my matches, okay? Once again, 
I do what the boss tells me to do. I show up and it says Neville uh, Jericho up, Neville down. I don't complain. And if it says Balor up, Jericho down, I don't complain. All I care about is having a great match. So people say, well, Jericho's a part-timer. Well, I'm a part-timer, right? Whatever that even means. I'm also a guy who has a lot of experience and a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, of, of notoriety, a lot of status within the WWE. So losing to Chris Jericho is never a bad thing. And it's not like it was a two-minute squash. We had a tremendous match. I thought the finish was crazy. He went for the red arrow. I put my knees up, put him right in the walls, which I tried to get on him a couple times. That's the psychology of wrestling. And you're damn right I should have won. Okay? Uh, Neville's just starting. And he will be there for many, many years. But guess what, guys? So will I. My career's not done. I'm not coming back like you know Billy Robinson or Bruno Sammartino for one final match. You know, I think, uh, you know, and you can't win either with, with some fans because if I win, I'm burying the younger talent. If I lose, I'm just a jobber. <laughs> so here's the deal. For everybody that's been following my career for as long as you have listened to this podcast, you got to know by now, I don't care what uh, what people think. I do the best I can to put on the best show that I can and make sure that everybody wins in the end. And I think that happened again once again with Balor and, and Neville. So whether you like the finish, whether you didn't like the finish, just watch the freaking match. You know what I mean? Just watch the match and, and stop analyzing it, okay? Everybody wins. Everybody loses. We all know who's going to the top. We all know who's, who's cream rises to the top, you know? Like Eddie Guerrero told me. It says wrestling on the marquee. WWE, what does that W stand for? Wrestling and entertainment. If you can wrestle, if you can entertain, you'll always have a shot. You'll always have a chance. You'll always keep rising to the top. And Neville is incredible. He's a tremendous performer, as is Finn Balor. I enjoyed working with both those guys. It was, it was a walk in the park. It was really, really cool, really, really nice. I will say this. When Neville did the dive, I wanted to make sure to catch him. If you saw the match, I got my neck crunched underneath him. So like for the next... Two days, even the plane ride home, I was like, you know, walking like the Terminator. I go to the left and never move my neck. Go to the right and never move my neck. It's like, it's really weird because you just can't move it. You know, you, you ever hear that whiplash? That's what it is. Your neck is just stuck in one place and you can't move it back and forth. But now I'm happy to say that it's definitely loosening up a bit. Feel a lot better, and uh, I'll be ready for uh, for this weekend's uh, continuation of the uh, Y2J uh, WWE Summer Tour. And I got to say, once again, I enjoyed coming to Japan. I loved it in Japan. It's always a blast, and I love working with new people as well. In the last few weeks, getting a chance to work with Wade Barrett and Sheamus and uh, Balor and Neville, it really uh, gives me a little bit of extra fire. You know, you never get stuck in a rut with when you're working with different guys because you're thinking of different ideas every night, and that's what I enjoy doing, and uh, I enjoy I enjoy wrestling. So call me kooky, call me wacky, call me crazy. It's still fun. I still love it, and that's why I still do it. You know what I'm saying, man? All right. I hope you uh, hope you uh, understand what I'm saying. And if you haven't seen the Jericho versus Neville match, go onto the WWE Network, go Beast in the East, and go check it out. It is worth it. And the rest of the show was great as well. Balor and Owens had a tremendous match. I thought the Divas had a great three-way. Uh, just the whole thing was a really fun and good idea for the network to do that. And I think that's one of the things that's going to help them continue to get subscriptions is show things that you can't see anywhere else. You know what I mean? Things that you can't see. Um, you know, you have to go, like I said before, if you want to see Balor versus Jericho, you had to actually be in Tokyo and go. You want to see Balor versus Neville, you can go watch it on the network. Although I know you can see the Balor match too on YouTube, but 
Uh, stick with me here. Don't be a smart Alec. <laughs> Speaking of smart Alex, we got Corey Taylor coming up. Good friend of mine. He knows a thing or two about being a smart Alec and about using his brain to its fullest potential. That's why he's written three books and hundreds of songs. He's a movie star. He's a author, a singer. Uh, he's a businessman. He knows so much stuff. Uh, he, and he's, he always has to have serious brain power to make all this stuff happen. He does a lot of different things. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This, this is Talk is Jericho. So before you ask about the red, I had a part in the clowns movie. Okay. They, they put a wig on me and they sprayed it red for the character. Okay. And I took the wig off and I was like, oh, this will come out. That was a week ago. <laughs> I've watched it like 13 times. I even scrubbed a bar of soap on this floor. <laughs> I'm so mad. But you have like red hair anyway. Kind of, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it works, but it's still, every time I look in the mirror, I'm just like, <sighs> <laughs> So pissed. But that's the thing. Like, it doesn't matter because you're a rock guy. You can just, yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. Corey's got like orange hair today. Yeah. Well, why is he doing with this? But it's only in the front. Okay. Whatever. He's starting something. So what's the part in the movie? It's a, it's a character called Headcase Harry because um, he's doing a a comic book. And it's a comic book called Officer Down, which is a really gnarly comic. And uh, it basically kind of takes the 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 kind of comic book cliche and turns it on his head you know mm. um and it's about a, a, a cop who can't die like he just keeps they they send him into gnarly situations he's blown up and all this stuff and they bring him back to the laboratory and they just bring him back to life and he just does it all over again so it's like groundhog day with a giant 88 magnum you know <laughs> um and i play headcase harry who's like this Riddler slash Heath Ledger Joker meth dealer who invents this thing called Super Crank. Like, I mean, it's this whole thing. Wow, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool, man. I I'd shot it in a day, and uh, it's uh, I think it's towards the beginning of the movie and kind of helps set everything up. And it was really cool. Kim Coates from uh, Sons of Anarchy okay. and, like, a bunch of stuff. He's he's He plays Officer Down. It's, and uh, it's yeah. no surprise there because Clown does a lot of. Like, he's done a lot of directing. This is his first feature, and uh, he was so stoked, man. Like when I showed up on set, he's just running around. He's just like, <laughs> I'm in hell, but I love it. You know, yeah, like yeah. he just love. That's his world, you know. So I was so, and he showed me some of the stuff he's already put together, and it's gonna be. It's what's gonna what's be dark. the movie called? Uh, Officer Down. Officer Down. Yeah. So and you've done a few parts now because the last time we spoke, you had just done. I just done. Itself. Yeah. Yeah. And is it, is that something you kind of like to to get into a little bit more? Yeah, man, I'm I'm starting to get more offers too, you know, because when when Fear Clinic came out, and people saw me with that Clinic. mustache, uh -huh. you know, I mean, obviously it's too sexual for for kids. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I mean, <laughs> anything adult or rated, it's fine. But um, yeah, man, I I I just have fun doing it, you know, especially when they when I can kind of do something that it looks different from what I'm already known for, you know, mm -hmm. like, like grow the mustache or in the case of officer down, put the wig on and they, they, they did my face up. Like, dude, I had 
so like such gross. When you see me, you're gonna be like, Ugh. <laughs> and then I, I made them put scratch marks on my neck because you know if you're around that many chemicals, you're just gonna start digging, you know, and just be All like, right, uh huh, yeah. uh huh, uh huh, uh huh, you know. Yeah. So and it just looks gnarly on on the screen, you know. So uh, yeah, if I keep getting them, man, and if it's interesting enough where I can kind of play with it and and dirty myself up and make myself not unrecognizable but just to the point where it's like oh he looks completely different this time i'm totally gonna do it yeah and and that's the cool thing i mean you and i have a lot in common in that we do a lot of different things and really don't put any boundaries on what it is like oh you're just a musician you're a wrestler you're an actor you're this or that yeah it's like if you feel it then why not give it a try and exactly. make it work, right? You know, I mean, the best thing, one of the best things about what we get to do is that it opens up so many different opportunities for, you know, pursuing interests outside mm. of what the main gig is. And as right. long as you don't get, you know, stray from what the main gig is, why not, man? You yeah, know, exactly. Have fun with it. <clears throat> yeah, well, and, and that's, you know, and, and like I always see you have these projects projects are coming out for example like like the uh cover of the dark from Metal yeah, Church. Yeah, yeah yeah and i was like that is so random yet super cory taylor like right. that's a great tune that's such a good that's cover, a great right? album yeah yeah it's yeah. a great album yeah great album. i saw metal church open for metallica in 86 oh wow right after cliff had passed away it was their first tour was they went to uh, canada with uh with newstead wow. and they had about the size of that couch to play on. Like they had oh, no room. Yeah. I yeah. just remember they're all just standing together, like shoulder to shoulder, just rocking. Yeah. A ton of bricks, you um, know, it, which is a great tune. Start the fire. Yeah. Is a great tune. Yeah. I mean that whole album, you know, method to the madness is such a, I mean that whole album is so good. And it just, you know, that song, they wanted us to do it for fear clinic. So we, we kind of, it was their idea. It was, it was Rob's idea for us to do something like that the dark was my idea okay and i was like if we do it we should we should grunge it up a little bit and make it a little heavier you know because there's no way i'm hitting those notes <laughs> yeah, you know? that's right. i'm just not that guy but we took it and i don't want to say modernized it but we just we just did uh, did our kind of take on it and it got a great reaction so you know it just felt cool because you guys have a bunch of covers that you do in yeah. ep and you're doing another like this is stone sour yeah 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 meanwhile burbank just came out on record store day okay what was and, on that uh, uh that was uh love gun heading out to the highway uh creeping death children of the grave and we die young so the next one which is called uh straight out of burbank <laughs> Is going to have, uh, I won't tell you the tunes, but Bad Brains, Rolling Stones, Slayer, Crew, and Iron Maiden. And then the third one, which is No Sleep Till Burbank, <laughs> is, oh God, I got to remember, Van Halen, uh, Violent Femmes, Buzzcocks, Rage Against the Machine, and ACDC. Yeah, yeah. That's so, great. So, what, what made you decide to do three cover EPs? We just we this is something we've been talking about for years, you know. And we decided instead of putting it all on one, you know, and trying to make that work, we were like, well, let's have fun with it. It was kind of the same spirit of why we wanted to do them in the first place is because right. we wanted to have fun, just kind of take the take the edge off, take the pressure off, and just go in and have fun and and kind of show the world what got us into making music in the mm-hmm. first place, you know? So 
we broke it up into three. That way we could kind of, you know, play with the artwork, make it fun for the fans, you know, and just just have a good time with it, you know, because it's, you know, we're not, you know, we're not making our nut on covers, <laughs> yeah, you know, right. but at the same time, you know, when, when you do something like that, you want to represent as, to the best of your ability and, you know, by by kind of spacing it out and kind of letting the, the fans get into five at a time nothing gets lost in the shuffle you know mm-hmm. like it just felt like by doing it that way people would have time to digest each five before the next one comes on so where did the burbank connection come from <laughs> I mean, you're, you're that was uh, that's where roy lives and that's oh, okay. we did all the music in his home studio and uh so i was just like i was like dude the title's got to be meanwhile burbank dot 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 you know <laughs> and then it just became like how can we play on that right, right, right. i was how like no sleep till that? burbank straight out of burbank <laughs> um, it was just hilarious, you know. I had, at one point, I wanted us to dress like a, a black metal band in his front yard and play volleyball, you know, like because there's this giant palm tree in the front. <laughs> there's always sun, right? Yeah, yeah, you know, and people just you know walking their kids or whatever, and we're dressed like mayhem, you know, like <laughs> yeah. just going weird dude, with Borg, it. Yeah, yeah told, oh yeah, dude, just go full <laughs> Carpathian Forest on it. <laughs> yeah, and. And we just we we didn't have the time because Chow's out with uh, Cavalera and and Roy's been doing some stuff, so we just mm-hmm. didn't have that time where we were all in the same state, right? right you know, right. but I was like, we got to remember that one because that could be rad. <laughs> That's cool. You know? Yeah, That's a video right there. <laughs> totally shot on an iMovie on your. Oh iPhone. yeah, just us, just you know, set and spiking <laughs> and hair and the you know everything. I remember I saw um, I think it was Ozfest a few years ago, and I think it was Demu Borgir, yeah, or maybe it was Cradle of Filth playing uh, like about four o'clock. And oh it was, like, yeah, super hot outside and yeah. they're wearing like the, the costumes and like you know we it's usually only too, play at night and so right. it's not as evil in the sunshine it's way too bright for evil yeah it's, <laughs> exactly. it's just uh i remember watching ministry around that time and it, it felt weird you know mm. because they're you know they're a band that's built for darkness we slipknot it's the same way dude when yeah we, when we first started it was almost like to overcompensate for the fact that the sun was up that we just started killing each other, you know? It was just like, we know. Wait till you see us in a club. It's going to be great. Yeah, it's so much you know? better if the lights are out. <laughs> so, I, I just watched WrestleMania this year, and it was uh, in um, San Jose. So yeah. it's West Coast time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So three hours in the show when Undertaker comes out, it's still light out. It's I'm still like, light That out. doesn't work. No. You no, know, no, I mean, no, it's no. still cool, but it's yeah. like, that's another guy. He needs to be at night. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because that's the pop. You yeah, know? exactly. Like, that's the pop. Yeah, people are waiting for those lights to go down. Right. And then all of a sudden, the, the bell yeah, rings. Blue lights. There the it is. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know? You just feel that. The, the, the Gregorian chant starts, and it's like, okay, it's about to get real. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Do you watch? Do you ever watch uh, wrestling on the road? I, I, yeah, I try to. You know, I mean, if if we have a if we have a bus that's got the capability, I usually order the the pay per view or whatever. Mm-hmm. Now with the network, right. I can watch it on my computer. I watch a lot of NXT though. You know, really? like oh, I'm a gnarly NXT fan. No you kidding. Know? And I didn't even give it. A, I didn't want to give it a chance until my buddy Stubbs talked about it, and I watched it. And dude, it's so great. Like I was just like. Yes. Like so, what about it makes it great for you? I love the fact that it's a smaller audience. Audience. Yeah. I love the fact that the, the matches are so quick. You mm-hmm. know, because it just seems like it just seems like lately everything's real stiff on on Raw and SmackDown. Everything's just kind of clunky. Mm-hmm. You know, like you'll get a good match every once in a while, and 
the Divas matches are rad on NXT. You know, like yeah, they, they can, can really wrestle. You know? They hold the hold their own, like as as the main events of the show. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and that's what you want, man. As a fan, you, it's not so much about the eye candy. Sometimes it's like put let's put together a good match and let's mm-hmm. watch it. You know, it's funny because one of the one of the DJs on one of the radio stations, I was doing a phoner the other day, and they're like, "Would you?" Would you uh, guest host Raw? And I was like, no, but I'll guest host NXT, <laughs> even if it's just on the network. I don't even care because yeah. I love it. You know, I just yeah. I mean, I, I watch that honestly way more often than I watch Raw now. It's crazy. It's interesting. Yeah, it's yeah. become kind of the new revolution. Like it's got kind of the ECW vibe. To exactly. It, it's know? got that. It's got that home show vibe. You know, mm-hmm. like but the fans are so passionate. That they know they're there to get, they're going to get a show, you know, and that's that's what you want, man. Like, it's, I think that's something that's kind of lost in the shuffle now with with Raw and SmackDown. It's like for the most part, it's just you know the the audience is there, but it's not a, a guarantee that you're going to get a decent match, you know. But with NXT. It's almost a foregone conclusion mm-hmm. that you're going to get a date to match. So the fans are there to just open up. And the time time is different. Like Raw SmackDown, you get six minutes, eight yeah. minutes. Yeah. NXT, you're talking 15, 20 minutes. They can really space it out. It's old school. You know, it's that NWA timing. You know, yeah. like you could, where a match could take 30 minutes, and it's like, Jesus Christ, this is on. This is on ESPN. What the hell's <laughs> really? All right, fair enough. Right. So yeah, I mean, I I dig that stuff. Which guys stand out for you in NXT? Obviously, Sami Zayn is badass. Adrian Neville, now Neville. I mean, I watched his debut match, which was insane, you know? On, when he, yeah, when he, uh, on, on Raw. On Raw. On Raw, on Raw right. when he came out um, and just basically owned Axel. Like, it was it was pretty rad. I'm loving the Axel stuff that Isn't he's that been great? doing. Yeah. It's so good. But then, you know, when, when it, like, Neville came out and he hit, he hit the move, I was like, oh, this is... This is right. going to be ridiculous, you know. Um, other than that, uh, Flair's Charlotte. Yeah, she's her his daughter. Mm-hmm. Her, yeah, that's his daughter. She's yeah. really, really good. Um, I mean, everybody's good on there, man. Like it's it's you can't you can't name one kind of you know limp bag yeah. in that whole thing. It's just <laughs> everything's good. Well, and, and the thing that's interesting too is all those guys have come from. You know, Ring of Honor, overseas, yeah. all those yeah. places. <clears throat> and for a while, the edict in WWE was we don't want to hire any of those guys. Yeah, which is we weird. We want to create to our own stars. Yeah. But they changed their tune pretty quickly with Rollins and Ambrose, and those guys came in. Yeah. And now all the guys Huge you just mentioned, pops. Kevin Owens and Finn Balor and yeah. Tommy, like all those guys were major stars yeah. in other companies and overseas. So yeah. It's always funny how they'll always go back a lot of times to you have to be six foot five yeah. and two hundred eighty pounds. It's the it's the it's the template that just doesn't work. I was yeah. Like, well, how does that work with Foley? For well, God, it, you know, the, it, I mean, where's the heart? Where's the passion? You right. Know? You look great, but if you don't have, you know, if you don't have the the the, the intangibles, I mean, yeah. where the hell are you going? That's right. So, but that's always kind of been the WWE like. Um, because Vince is a big guy, and he yeah. always likes big guys. So yeah. The big guys will get more chances than the little guys, but eight times out of ten, it's the little guys that make the most money for and them. They'll, and they'll pick you that know? company up and carry it. You yeah, know? exactly. And, and it's, I just, I'm just waiting to see what happens next. You know, because you got, you probably got like four or five dudes that have so much. They're, they're so over right now, mm-hmm. like Ambrose, Rollins, Ziggler, anytime, and it doesn't matter if he's healer or or face. 
he's so over that it's yeah. you know people and, respect his work ethic. Oh yeah, because yeah. he'll go for it. Right. You know, he can put together a really great match. Um, who else? Uh, uh, <laughs> um, uh, I, I don't even know if I should call him Mizdow anymore. Yeah, Sandow. Sandow yeah. He's so good. Yeah. You know, and people love him. And he's a great worker too. And he's got so much character. Like he can literally walk into any situation and make it work. You know, so. I think those four dudes, and you know Orton's still a really good hand. He's really good. That I I think that's that's the that's next core. handful of years for me. You mm-hmm. know, because like those are the people I tune in to watch. Right, right. Yeah. I never asked this before, but when you were starting to put together Slipknot with, uh, I I don't want to use the word character because I said that to Gene Simmons. He goes, "I'm not a character. It's a not a character. It's a persona." No, I'm Gene Simmons. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, when you're talking about the personas of Slipknot or the, or the gimmick was that ever not wrestling influence but did you ever kind of see the, the the correlation between the two for me maybe a little bit yeah um because I knew about perception and I knew about you know kind of working working the angles playing to the crowd obviously I mean any front man mm-hmm. you know any good front man has that little bit of wrestling in him you know That's because yeah. you get on the mic and you're you know you, you either shoot or you play you know yeah. so for me, it was always about, you know, just gauging and, and seeing where to go, you know. Um, and obviously growing up and watching all the all the great dudes on the mic, everybody from Flair to Piper, you know, you just kind of, it just, it just seeps in, you know. Mm-hmm. So when you get that chance, you're going to work it, you know. As far as like uh, image-wise, I can't, not, not the for. masks. And- yeah, yeah. I think that was more of. That came more from Clown's mind, to be honest. I mean, he was the first one to put one on. That was in practice. That tells you what a maniac he is because <laughs> he just was feeling it, you know? So by the time I joined in 97, the masks were such a part of what they did that I kind of, and, and I'd never felt this in my life. I kind of was, it was almost stumbling in the dark to kind of find my place in it because I'd always known, like, you know, who I was and what I wanted to be. As, as you know, an, an artist and a singer and whatever. But joining Slipknot was the first time I was challenged mm. to kind of figure it out. And luckily, they gave me a little time to figure it out. Because my first, I didn't even wear a mask for my first uh, gig. I had like this latex stuff that just melted right out of the gate. And I was like, well, this that was a fail. That was a party <laughs> fail. You mean like makeup or something? Or? It was it was literally like I'd painted my face like a skeleton. And then I had liquid latex uh, cr- uh, X's across <laughs> my eyes. And then I had done, and I had long, bright red hair, like this red. Okay. And uh, I had kind of done it up, almost kind of like uh, the original dreads in my mask. But that, the stuff that I put it, it was the hottest day of the year in 97, all right? It was August, and, or July or August, can't remember. And everything just melted. So by the end of the show, not only had I taken my shirt off, which was a cardinal sin and slipknot, <laughs> I everything was gone. It was just basically me jamming with slipknot and p and and i can remember clown just looking at me him and joey's like he's gotta wear a mask and i'm like fine we gave it a shot it didn't work give me let's figure something out and that's kind of what so those guys really helped me out you know like you know pain and love together helping me figure (laughs) my stuff out but yeah i mean it's you know once you get in that mask and i'm sure any wrestler who's ever worn a mask can tell you there's a switch that clicks you know I'm, I'm sure Kane could tell you just when you put that mask on, it's a whole different vibe because you can play with it. You know, you can really get outside of who you are on the street and become that person, you know. So it helped me 
really tap into who I wanted to be and what I wanted to say and really get that aggression and, and focus it and then just spew it, you know? You know, it's interesting just thinking about what you're saying because for wrestling and, and being a front man, yeah. there are a lot of similarities. You have to sell it. You yeah, be, you really do. You really do. And Kane was always great at selling with the mask. Now, selling is a facial thing. Yeah. Vince will say that's your money makers, your uh-huh. face. Yeah. And he was always really good at being able to sell even though he had that mask on. You're great at it too. When you, you as oh a yeah, fun, like I, I used to wear sunglasses on stage, and I stopped because I didn't like looking at pictures of myself because it's very yeah, robotic. Yeah, yeah. You take it, you see the eyes, and yeah, see the exactly. Face. You can emote, yeah. But you do that just with your body language and crouching and moving because there's no face. It's just yeah. the mask. Yeah, yeah. You, know? you kind of have to, you kind of have to fill in the blanks at that point, you know. And and it, it's and I think that's one of the reasons why I I not enjoy but. I get a little something different out of Stone Sour because there's nothing there, and, and people can really see that I'm I'm really mm-hmm. having a good time, you know. And with Slipknot, it's kind of the same thing, but it's like you said. I mean, it's an all day sucker, so you got to have to do whatever you got to do to push that forward and and show the people what's going on. And and it's you know maybe it's just over the years I've I've developed some kind of unconscious like uh, Clown calls me the lizard because I get real. Real weird on stage, you know, and I start to kind of move, and he's just like, Ugh. he's wild. I look over, and he's watching me, and I'm like, shut up. <laughs> yeah, I'm a singer. I have to do this. <laughs> the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. We're still here with Corey Taylor singing for Slipknot and Stone Sour. He's an author. He's a wrestling fan. We're going to hear about the newest Slipknot members. First, I want to tell you about Arctic East Instant Cold Wraps. If you run, bike, jump around on stage, jump around in the ring, you need to know all about Arctic East Instant Cold Wraps. They are amazing because they provide instant cold therapy to your injuries, aches, and pains while you're still active. That means you can wear them and still run, bike, surf, wrestle, perform on stage. Whatever you want to do, they keep your joints and muscles wrapped and cool. And Arctic East Instant Cold Wraps stay in place while giving you similar recovery benefits to ice therapy. And the fruit thing about Arctic East, no freezer necessary. That's cookie, yo, because you know why? Because there's no ice. The wraps are sleek and comfy, no bulky ice. They don't show under your clothes, no bulky ice. So if you're a gym rat, a surfer, you're in a bowling league, you like to stage dive, whatever it is you want to do, check out Artiki's Instant Cold Wraps. Keep yourself from being sidelined. They're reusable, clinically tested, and proven effective. Put on Artiki's, and you have targeted instant cold and compression therapy when you need it, where you need it, before, during, and after exercise. All right? For pain, swelling, and injuries, you can safely use Artiki's for instant, long lasting cold compression therapy even while you're training you got to try it to believe it you want to try it you can get reusable articles instant cold wraps at cvs pharmacy or articles.com you get that instant cooling relief when and where you need it give it a try they really work articles is for you the last time we spoke you just had the two new guys in the band and now you've been out on the road for a couple months or how long it's been how how's the the chemistry been with the new guys on stage it's been killer it's been really really good it's been cool to watch them come out of their shells too you know because at first they weren't sure like how far to go i mean that's the respect level you know like they're so 
respectful and they dig what we're doing so much, you know, that they don't want to cross any boundaries and they're having a really good time. So we're like, let's, let's step it up. You know, it's time. It's, it's time. You know, start to get into it. And, you know, Alex, our bass player is, you know, he's so into it that he's started to kind of come up to the front, really started to own it. Jay's just started to take it up and yeah, man, it's, it's been really good. So every show has just gotten consistently better and better and better. Last night we haven't played in, seven weeks and we went on stage and we i mean we we could stop on a dime it was incredible and i'm talking about you know three songs that we hadn't played live Mm -hmm. we just rehearsed like a couple times and dude it was on you know do you find that you're talking like with uh you mentioned jay uh now we can actually say their names before we yeah yeah we've been we 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 had a we had a discussion (laughs) about having a discussion and uh yeah there there it is but i mean I think, and I'm not saying this in a bad way, but when you start a band, you come up with the dudes that you've been with since they're 16, 17, 8 years old, 18 years old. Yeah. You are probably don't know the difference between, well, this guy's this kind of drummer, that guy's this kind of drummer. Yeah. I would say anybody who's a Weinberg is a pretty crazy, amazing... He's got good time. ...lunatic drummer. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's so like you said, you're stopping on dimes. That's probably kind of cool for you to know, like, we didn't really have this element before, or maybe we did, but this is more... It's different. Yeah, different, yeah, right? yeah. I mean, because with Joe, one of the great things about Joe was you weren't his capacity for the unexpected. Because mm. he could, you know, he, sometimes he could vibe on where we were and he could either ramp it up or bring it down, you know? Like, so that was, the, so so you really learned, We you learned to play together. You didn't learn to play to that meter. You learned to play together, right. you know? Um, Jay is so consistent, you know, and and you don't realize how much you miss that until you get it. And it's like, but he can still do all the crazy stuff, mm-hmm. you know, the reverse paradiddles and <laughs> all that weird drum stuff, yeah. you know? So it's cool, you know, both, you know, there are benefits to both. And, uh, you know, I've, I have been lucky enough to jam with so many different drummers over the years that you really start to see that every drummer is different. You know, they may be playing some of the same parts, but it's so different because it's their thing. You know, mm-hmm. I, just, I, I, I just watched that uh, Beware of uh, uh, Beware of Mr. Beware of Mr. Oh, Baker. Oh, Ginger Baker. Oh, Ginger. My, oh, my God. Gosh. What a maniac. How you know? crazy. He breaks the dude's nose. Oh, I know. Right out of the gate. <laughs> crazy old And this man. is some dude he's just been hanging and, and joking and laughing yeah. with. And then he breaks his damn With his cane. He just hits him. He hits the filmmaker in the yeah, nose with the in cane. the face. Yeah. The guy who set out to make this movie about him. Yeah. He's been friends with him this whole time. And then the vi- and that's how it opens, too. Yeah. That's why I love it. It's like the last shot of the movie. <laughs> he breaks his nose. It's insane, but that's that sums up drummers for you yeah. right there. They're right. just an interesting breed yeah. that you'll just never understand. You just kind of have to, <laughs> you know, find the pocket and stay with it. So, I mean, when, when Slipknot's looking for a new drummer, a new bass player, because it's funny, because when I heard that, the, uh, you're talking about V-Man. Yeah. We've toured with him many times. He was teching for Anthrax. He even worked for us for yeah, a tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like you hear a guy like, oh, V-Man's got the job, and it's like, like what? what? Like, yeah. A... That's amazing. B, like, how the hell did that come out? Because you, I'm envisioning like there's a lineup of like all the top bass players in the world. Like when Metallica was like, you know, like, oh yeah, all these guys are showing up. And same thing with the drummer. I mean, you're going yeah. for, I mean, Jay Weinberg. Like, what? Who is that? Like Max Weinberg's son. 
Does he play born born in the USA? It's like what kinda, is it? You know, it's kind of cool the way it all kind of came together. It was almost kismet, to be honest, because Great word, kismet. Thank you. Thank you. I, I try to work that in every day. That and gulch. Gulch. Good, that's a good word, right? What does that even mean? Gulch. I don't know that word. Gulch. It's like a, like a ravine that's filled oh, with water. Oh, okay. Yeah, like a your gulch. Outlaw's gulch. All right, all right. We're going down to the dry gulch. We're going to ambush him at noon. You know? Um, every, you know, the, the cool thing about both those guys is the way that they kind of came because we didn't try out a lot of people mm-hmm. i mean honestly jay was the only dude we tried out really and he worked so well but how did he come on your radar he's been a fan since he was eight years old mm-hmm. and we were we were sitting down trying to think of like what to do next and i can't remember if it was clown or brennan they sat us down was like you got to see this video we all knew Jay because he had been coming. You know, we would see him backstage with his dad. And we're like, How are you doing? How's everything going? Oh, you're playing drums. Cool. You know, keep it up. Mm-hmm. And Joey was a you know huge influence for him. So all of a sudden, we start seeing these videos of Jay playing, and we're like, "Whoa!" So and this is and we so what we did was we booked a studio, and I won't go too much into the background of it. We booked a studio. We didn't even tell him what it was about. We just told him, and we weren't even the ones telling him. We we just told him, uh, be at this place with a set at this time uh, for an audition. And then we all walked in. <laughs> and they were, and he, huh, huh, Uh-oh. uh, and we started going through tunes. And he knew every tune. And the ones they didn't, he knew half of it, you know. It was insane, you know. Wow. And that's how that started. V-Man was a little different because, you know, we had a couple people that we were looking at and that we had actually worked with. Um, and it just wasn't vibing, you know. It, it wasn't it was nothing against them technically. It just wasn't vibing, mm-hmm. you know. And I think Jim was actually the one who, who said, you know, for now, let's let's bring V Man in. He can handle it because the dude is a ripper. A lot of people Did he don't know that. For you or something like that. No, no. We met him through Mastodon. Okay, gotcha. And uh, so we'd known him a long time, and Jim knew just how good he was. So he came in, and he just started, you know, handling it, you know, and uh, he and he's so easy to hang out with, you know. He's, he's such a great dude. Yeah. It just got to get. It just got better and better and better and better and better. And you know, the the question got brought up towards the end of the the, the album. It's like, what are we going to do live? And we're like, what do you mean? He's coming with us. Like that was that was it. You know. So it was a, it was a slower burn for him because we had you know tried a couple of different other people, yeah. but it worked so well that it was just like, okay, I, this this is it. You know. And then it was trial by fire because now you're jumping out of the airplane. You know, first gig is not fest in front of twenty five thousand. That was people. the first. Wow. That was their first gig. Headlining your own festival. Yeah, yes. and they're just. No, I'm not nervous. <laughs> Shut up. Get away from me. You know, Could so you get a gig at the Copa first. So gnarly. <laughs> but it, it came off, man, and it's just yeah, it's just gotten it's gotten a lot. It's gotten better. That's you know, cool. it never it never gets easier. Yeah, but it, it's gotten better. That's cool. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, I was looking through, talking about all the different things that you do and all the different uh, projects that you have. And you have a new book coming out, which A, pisses me off because now you're in the three book club. <laughs> and I'm worried. You'll get there. That, well, I'm already there, but I'm yeah. worried you're going to beat me. <laughs> I don't want, I have to write another, now I have to write another one 
to keep up with you. Well, now, if, if I write another book and it's a novel, is that a whole different category? Yeah, it's still a book. It's a okay, book. Well, okay, fair enough. Because I have to, honestly, I was thinking about a fourth book, and then when I saw that you had your new one coming out, I'm just pulling it. I, I, I have to read. I was like, no, seriously, i got to get my shit together and write one. Uh, the book is called You're Making Me Hate You, a cantankerous look at the common misconception that humans have, have any, any common, common sense, sense left. left. <laughs> Yeah. Put that on a t-shirt. Yeah, there it is. We're gonna. It's gonna be great. So let's talk about that. I mean... It speaks for itself. First of all, I want to say that you've done a really smart thing, and that's what I want to do with my next book, is your first book was kind of a autobiography. Then you wrote the kind of a more of a paranormal type yeah, of yeah. thing, which we discussed, some of those crazy stories. And then now you're kind of coming through... Like it's like a George Carlin vibe or a very Chelsea ranty. Handler yeah, where yeah. she just writes about whatever. Yeah. Bill O'Reilly and people yeah. buy it. Yeah. Doesn't have to be because there's only so much biography you can write. You yeah. Know? Yeah. There's only so much stuff you've done at 40. You <laughs> yeah, know, I know. Before you go, well, I can tell that one again. Yeah. The cool thing about that, I mean, there's there's stories in this, but it's very relatable to to what the different chapters are about. You know, so it's not like you know, I was like I was born in this trailer and. The west side of Des Moines, Iowa. It's you know, it's all stupid crap. Right. But uh, this one is it's a rant book, straight up, simple. I mean, it's just basically me explaining the reasons why you, you make me want to get stabby. I mean, that's really that's what it comes down to. You're making me feel so stabby right now that I don't leave the house a lot because I'm afraid that I'll look around and there's there's a ballpoint pen right there. I could just nick your jugular because <laughs> you're being an idiot. You know. You, you, you tweeted the other day. I'm going to hate people for an hour and a half. Hour and a half. Leave me alone. And I did. <laughs> and I just sat at my table and just. <sighs> You know, and then I just and then honestly, I got to the hour and a half and I was still kind of feeling a little a little sassy. So I was just like, you know, I'm just going to stay off Twitter today. <laughs> it's not a good idea. So what gave you the idea to, to write this book? You know, it was something I'd been kind of, you know, I came up with the title, honestly, first. Like the title was like I, and I just kept saying it to people, you know, like I kept finding myself because I'd be hanging out with people that I knew and they would do something dumb and I'd just go, oh, you're making me hate you. Stop it, you know? And I just kept coming I was just like, that's a really good title for a book, you know? <laughs> and that's what it was. I just, I, I jotted it down, and then I just kind of started putting the chapters together. You know, I was just like, oh, my God, I can, everybody knows about flying. And, but I can take it even deeper because of the stuff that we have to deal with on an international level. Well, and just walking through Heathrow alone. Let's talk about some of it. Like how you, oh, yeah. Like walking through Heathrow in what way? Just the fact that there's some of those shops in there have so many ridiculous things that draw the attention of the idiot that they will stop. Their whole family will stop right in front of you. Not like they were going very fast to begin with. But now you, you, you basically have a, like half a second to react to the fact that you were about to topple over a tiny roll bag and fall into a man that happens to be in matching Adidas suits with his family, right? All because they're staring at this giant wheel of Gouda and just can't believe that you could buy a giant wheel of Gouda at an airport. Right. And then I have the whole I have the whole conversation in there. It's Myrtle? Yes, Jackie? Well, you look at that side of that wheel of cheeks. My, that is big, right? Where would you get at something like that? I mean, it's just such an idiotic... And I've seen it happen. All you know? the time. Like, people go into low all the time. I just want to get to my gate. 
All right. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I have a layover that is literally the width of a pubic hair, and I have to get from one side of Heathrow, which you know is, I mean, that That's thing is airport. like, and it's always so packed. In it's like too. six city blocks, yeah. you know, but it's laid out. It's stretched out for like four miles, mm-hmm. so you have no idea where you're going. One terminal leads to another. It's just it's a a, like, and yeah. God forbid you go outside because then it's another hour to get back <laughs> in, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, there's a, a lot of stuff about that in there. You, you um, know, I was going to say, uh, is a couple things. Uh, I don't know if you have anything about the TSA, but just that we're talking about it. So, I have this jacket, right? It's oh, yeah. Jacket. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And sometimes I'll go through TSA. Yeah. Now, this thing has wires, yeah. batteries, metal, yeah. studs. It's pretty much the recipe for a bomb. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, and I don't have any. I have to carry it with me because all if you're I missing put it, is fertilizer. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to carry it with me because I can't put it on the on the on the check loads. Yeah, yeah, Throw yeah. it around and it breaks. Yeah. So I swear to you, man. Six out of ten times, it'll just pull go it. right through. Oh, really? And they won't pull it, huh? And this should be pulled every time. Right. Yeah. Every freaking. Because I watched it happen in Australia. Remember right. When we were down there. Yes. And, and that's like one of the most lax security <laughs> yeah. runs. I mean, you you get down there and they're like, I'm not even taking the change out of my pocket. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. it's so it's like, why are you even here? Yeah, you exactly. <laughs> so I so I've seen that happen to you. It happens with Slash's hat too, right? Because he has to carry it separately. Yeah, and they always make him pull it out. Like it's the it's weird. So. I, it's it's it, it it astonishes me that it doesn't happen more with but your that, jacket. But it, that's what it kind of scares me though. Yeah. Then I'll go through with like a scarf, and they'll say, "Can you take your scarf off?" I'm like, "What's in the scarf?" Yeah, yeah. What, what, what's what's buried in here? Yeah, and I have to take the scarf off, put it in the little dog bowl. Yeah, and it goes through as I'm carrying my bomb. Yeah, green bomb jacket. jacket. And that's that sort of stuff is like because when I when I was or kind of read the rundown of your book and you were yeah. talking about airport and flying there's so much stuff that doesn't make sense yeah yeah but like you said like why like okay i'm taking off my flip-flops to go yeah, through yeah but this makes it through you yeah know? it's very weird yeah i mean I, I talk a little bit about security it's mainly the people who are in front of me mm-hmm. like their crap because I, I th- i'm trying to remember the four levels of airport travel it's uh hurry up me 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 where am i and <laughs> There's a fourth one I can't think of. <laughs> because it literally, it seems to me that there are different, like, it's almost like you're, you're shifting gears in your head from one, pe- one thing to the next. And, like, hurry up is when you're in the line trying to get to the counter. Mm-hmm. Me, me, me is when you get to the counter. And then where am I is pretty much everywhere <laughs> after that. Because everybody is walking around. I'm just me. You know, from the beginning of security till you run by them, flipping them off, trying to get to your flight, which is now delayed, you know, so ridiculous. So, yeah, I mean, it's 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 me basically kind of breaking down behavior and stuff in uh, just everything from airports to how, you know, to music and film. Um as far as music and film, what, like things that bug you? Just or? everything that bugs me. Oh, yeah. So it's not just film. It's more television than film because it's there's so many crap shows now mm-hmm. that I, ve- I very rarely even watch you know, television anymore unless it's like a show that I know is on 
and then halftime I watch it on Netflix or well, sure. Voodoo anyway. You well, know, that's so the new TV show though, yeah. like HBO. Like I call them mini, mini mini films. Exactly. Like you watch an episode of Game of Thrones. That's that's got to cost five million dollars easily. You know, you're talking about you know Fear Clinic or Clowns movie. Yeah, I bet you the budget for one Game of Thrones is probably double. Yeah. of what those oh type of easily movies are. you know easily I mean? yeah, and there's so much that goes into those. I mean, even just the set locations. Yeah, and just having everything ready. And then the costuming and the effects and the, the extras themselves. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the extras. I mean, it's insane. So that, I mean, that is a rare, rare occurrence, it seems, like these days. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we need any more reality shows. I'm sorry. <laughs> I really don't. I, I don't need another. I don't need to know who the next top chef, model, dancer, grinder uh, singer. spitter, singer, <laughs> yeah. shitter. I don't care. <laughs> that's Kardashian. Like, that's what it should be. The next one, the next top Kardashian, <laughs> because it seems like every time I accidentally see a commercial, there's four more kids right. that nobody knew about. There's Jenner's. There's Kardashian. It's, like, there's it's like, like, <laughs> they making them in a lab or how is this working? It's like the Von Eriks. Like they just keep <laughs> showing up. Like what the, f- what? Like who are these two little ones? And then Bruce Jenner. God damn it. This is a thing too. That I can't eat Wheaties again. Like I feel so weird. <laughs> what happened? That, that that's a weird one too. Because yeah, I, like I'm like you. Okay, I, I obviously we're into pop culture, so you can't yeah. not know who the Kardashians are. Yeah, I've never watched a show. Uh-uh. Um, so but you know who these people are and these. Characters. But it's like, how did they get there? Right. You know. And then they didn't do shit to get famous. But then, but then this Jenner thing. Yeah. Like it just seems like over the last year, okay, now he's a woman. Like I never saw that one coming. And I, you know, and I, it, well, it, because certain people that I know read some of those weird gossip rags, like yeah. the, the Us Weekly. Yeah, air, air, not me. <laughs> I might have read over a shoulder or two because you know I'd finished my Entertainment Weekly too quickly. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. But uh, this I've known this has been coming for like two years. Like as far as him turning started growing his hair out, started wearing earrings. And there's a and and it makes sense because there's a two year kind of uh, there's a two year period where they make you wait until they start giving you the the, the, the drugs or yeah the, the, the drugs the estrogen the, the hormones yeah um, and then you can finally have the the surgery I, I remember seeing that in a documentary so, so you need two years to make sure this is what you really want to do well they make you live as a woman for two years oh. to adjust to it you know. And and to to help your family adjust to it, to help you adjust to it because it's such a different switch, you know. Yeah, which makes sense. I mean, it's it's kind of akin to the you know the, the five day cooling off period when you're trying to buy a gun. Uh-huh. Basically, you know, it's like, is this what you need to do? Mm-hmm. I, I I guarantee you, for auspicious reasons, they're like, well, we want you to live with it so you can get comfortable with it. I guarantee you, it's more like. You this is you need to make sure that this is the what you want to do, mm-hmm. because once it's gone, that's it. You know, because they the the surgery they actually use the penis to create the walls of the the, the new vagina. vagina. Yeah, so that all goes into wow. what they built. Yeah, it's it's incredible. Okay. Like what we can do today, it's insane. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so it's two years of making sure that your family's ready, you're ready. And yeah, so I know way more than that about that than you I really, really thought that I should. 
That's insane. I can't. That's wow. And I just rattled it off like, did. oh, the, by the way, they used the penis. And I was just listening like, wow, I did not know this. Is this in the book? No, no, no. That's all free. Maybe it should be. No, that's, that's all free. free. That's all free. <laughs> Always learning something new from Corey Taylor. And who knew they know so much about gender reassignment surgery, right? Speaking of that, no matter your gender or sex, meet undies. They've got skivvies for everyone, no matter what kind of gender you are. They've got brand new designs for July as well. All the things you love about summer, right on your undies. You check them out at MeUndies.com. The most comfortable undies on the planet. They don't ride up on you. They do the moisture wicking, so you stay cool, dry, and comfy all day long. MeUndies are also pre-shrunk, so you don't get any surprises after you wash them. They look as good as they feel, and they stay that way. And if you're loving the undies... Then you need to try me on these other products and garments. They make socks, hoodies, t-shirts, all soft and comfy as their undies. Your skin is going to love you. And ladies, MeUndies has a whole line of Sexy Beast products for you as well. Check out the styles at MeUndies.com. And if you order now at MeUndies.com slash Jericho, you'll save 20% off your first order and get free shipping. Come on, 20% off and free shipping? You got to jump on that. Save even more when you buy a whole pack of them. Once again, MeUndies.com slash Jericho. They come with a money-back guarantee, so you got nothing to lose and everything to gain. Go to MeUndies.com slash Jericho now and save 20% off your order and feel as sexy as you want want to be and here's the funny thing and this is something i had no idea about and i gotta ask you about it because like i said i was coming over today so i, I googled cory taylor new book yeah, and yeah it comes up you know on blabbermouth so i'm just going through blabbermouth as we all do oh boy well, i was waiting for you yeah and you know what i'm gonna ask you about yeah. it's on there right yeah. now and it's it's amazing because i've talked about this for five years i've never heard it yeah i've talked about this in other interviews yeah they yeah rock of love came to me twice they came to be twice. To well, be I, the new, I turned them down the first time. Yeah, the new uh, subject the, of Rock of Love. Yeah, this was while they were doing it with Brett. Like they just, and it was weird. Like they weren't like they they weren't like overt about it. Like they went through my manager, and uh, you know, at first, my manager was like, "Hey, you know, like they're looking around for a new guy," and I'm like, "You ever call me again with this kind of thing? I'm gonna break a chair over your face." You know, I was like, "Seriously." Me? No. So then fast forward a year later. So it's like it was, 2009 or 10 or something Yeah, like something like that. And, you know, if, <laughs> I think it was right when the bus of love was going to happen. The bus of and love. And I was like, not even if God was driving, dude. Stop calling me with this crap. So what's the bus of love? It was the it was the, the rock bus, the rock of love, the bus. With all the like, chicks on yeah, it. Yeah, it was the tour bus one, and I was just like... God, but how did your name? Because right now I don't know. I, I keep to this day. I'm still in 2015. Like, like Corey Taylor as a as yeah. a personality is way more known. Yeah, than, like, Corey Taylor 2010 was to, to me the guy with the mask. I didn't know. I you. was still pretty underground. I, yeah. but, but but even like you know now there's Stone Sour and your books yeah. and all this stuff. But then it was just more of the mask guy from Slipknot, right? I think it's because um, I, I had such great word of mouth that I was I was easy to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, you know, like people in the industry knew me gotcha. because of like my work ethic and what I do and everything. Mm-hmm. I think right around, no, no, my book hadn't even, I hadn't even started writing the book yet. So I don't know. I, just, I think it's just my reputation. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, and like maybe they wanted to see me uncomfortable with a bunch of drunk sluts. <laughs> I just did, wasn't interested, you know? I was just like, negative. I don't need to be filming that. I'm fine, you know? Like, I'm all good. Like, I know. So, yeah, it was, it was definitely funny. And uh, 
You know, and I, it, nothing against Brett. It just wasn't my thing. Well, that that, but that would seem like it is more of Brett's thing. It's more Brett's thing, you know. You know he's and talked dirty to me and nothing but a good time. He played it well. He did it well. I'm just not that guy. Well, yeah. I've never been that guy. But that's what know? I'm saying. Talk dirty to me. Nothing but a good time. People are shit. People equal shit. And <laughs> People equal shit, yeah. I want to slit your throat and fuck the wound. <laughs> not really. You know. a different vibe. Now, if sci-fi does one. <laughs> yeah. Where it's like, you know, effects artists, you know, and I can come in and try out some of the prosthetics. <laughs> can you well, imagine maybe. the type of chicks that would have showed up for the Corey Taylor Rock of Love? I mean, you would have had some, you know, <laughs> no. there would have been some some goth aficionados for sure. <laughs> As my buddy Jason calls him, Gothopotamus. <laughs> oh, that's great! So brutal. So, so what else is it? Is it is in is in the new book? Um, you know, I, I talk a lot about uh, kids and how people are raising their kids now, and how we've gone from. You know, when we were growing up, it was so different. You know, you were taught respect right out of the gate, mm-hmm. and there was a little, there was a hint of fear in there. You know? That's true. I went through a brutal childhood, obviously. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, and I've I've tried to, you know, it's the one thing that I said I would never do once I had kids, you know. So for me, um, watching the way we're kind of softening everything where other people are, where you don't have to win now. You can be a participant. You don't have to learn anymore. We're going to grade you on a curve. You know, everyone's got something. Everyone's got an excuse. Everyone's got a reason. And then it bleeds down into their behavior. You wonder why, you know, little girls are showing more and more on, on you know, yeah. the Internet. It's because you didn't teach them any respect. You wonder why, you know, guys, you know, little teenage boys are treating women like crap earlier and earlier. It's because you didn't teach them any respect. Mm-hmm. And it's just ridiculous. And I watch it and... I've actually, now that my wife has actually kind of had to rein me in because I've gone parent on other people's kids oh, yeah. in public. And Steph kind of grabs me. He's like, no, <laughs> that one's not ours. Yeah. You need to settle down. And I'm like, but I'll get back to you. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's brutal, man. You know, and we we give my son a little leeway. How old is um, he now? He's 12 now. 12. He'll be 13. Get to the chopper. Yeah. Oh, my God. He just <laughs> thought that was the funniest thing. He still does it to this day. Yeah. He's, but he's, there's a difference because I, I taught him respect right out of the gate, you know? He's a crazy person. He's going to kill me someday, but I taught him respect right out of the gate. So. And that's a different dynamic, too, because yeah. you're divorced or whatever yeah. you're basically a single dad with with him yeah you know, yeah Steffi too but well yeah i mean it's it, at first it was it was difficult because we had to be on the same page you know and when you go through a divorce like that nine times out of ten you're going to be at odds with each other right and honestly it wasn't until we both got remarried that we learned to talk just about griff it's like at this point it's not about anything yeah. it's about him and that's it yeah so that we were lucky enough to kind of have, we, we're lucky enough to have that dynamic now, and we both know that her husband and my wife only have his best intentions at heart. Mm-hmm. So it's it's good to know that you know we've got everybody kind of trying to cover those bases. Good, yeah, and it's so yeah. I mean, it's so when he has an issue, you know, we we do our best to talk as much as possible about it, and there it is, you mm-hmm. know. And he's such a good kid, and he's such a sweet kid, 
that he acts up every once in a while, but he knows, like, all you have to do is raise your voice in my house. And, he, and I have, you know, anybody who's heard me knows that I can be at one end and I can hear him messing up and I will, you know, graph. And he, wow, yeah, yeah. And he'll come running down. Like the he, big death he gets metal growl. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he's, and you'd think he'd be used to it by now, but no, it's still... You know, yeah. he just still freaks but, out. But that's a good thing, though. I have that in my house, too. And sometimes my wife will be, you can't just come home and yell because I'm not yelling. No. I'm just letting them know yeah. that the, the the discipline, and my wife is, is great at it, too. Yeah. But do you want me to talk to your dad? Yeah. Done. Uh, End no, of story. No, no. It's the same yeah. concept as when we first had kids. I'm sure you went through this, too. They say you should spank, you have, you have to spank your kids. And, and, and not yeah. much. Yeah. But one spank oh, one, yeah, for one, each kid, and yeah. for the rest of the time, my son went through this phase where he would punch people in the balls. Oh, okay. He would just go up to you, just punch you in the balls. Yeah, yeah, thought it was yeah. hilarious. And you stop it, stop it, stop it. One yeah. day he did it. Do it again, I'll spank you. He did it. I spanked him. And from then on, for the re- do you want me to spank you? Nope. nope. Done. One time was all it took. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I gave, you know, I gave Griff a, a swat when he was a baby. Or yeah. Not when he was a baby, but yeah. when he was younger. You know, like he was, he just wouldn't settle down. It's like... And he just was breaking everything, and it's like you know, I don't, yeah. you didn't, you don't want to do it. You, it's you the give worst. Him a little sm- yeah, it's uh, oh, and it kills it's you the inside. Worst feeling, but you have to set that yeah. that precedent. And to it know. sucks, you know. Yeah. But but look at all these kids who have no idea what like spanking. What's that? <laughs> yeah. Well, like you said, no respect. Yeah, you, you know? don't understand that there are consequences for your actions. Mm-hmm. You know, and if and if you do that young enough, people understand it. You yes. know. And it's, it's, you know, it's not, you're not beating your kid. Not at all. It's discipline. And that's, you know, I think the more we water down what we do for our kids, it takes away what we do to help them become better adults later on. I am terrified of what my son is and, you know, and my other kids are going to have to deal with. And now you have a daughter, too. Yeah. Yeah, it's a different I mean, it's culture. insane. I'm like, oh, God, no. I mean, just as far as what the world's going to be like in yeah. 10 years or something like I'm this, terrified. Or... Like, yeah. basically, I have to start figuring out what Larry King eats or drinks just so I can live forever. <laughs> just make sure my kids are okay. Yeah. You know, it's... Oh. But it is scary, though, because, like, I remember, and I'm sure a lot of us, or maybe most of us from our generation... Okay, well, I'm going out to play. Be home. Yeah. When it gets dark. Yeah. When the street lights come on, you better be home. You better be home. Can you imagine just, and t- Griff is 12, my son, yeah. Ash is 11. That was about the age. Okay, yeah. we'll see you later. Yeah. And like three hours later, he comes wandering back in. Like, yeah. There's no way. Yeah. No way. Yeah, there's would, no way you could do that. There's no you know? way. And, and I, I mean, God, I live on a cul-de-sac in West Des Moines. Yes, we have cul-de-sacs <laughs> in Des Moines, in it's Iowa. Like a wheat field it's not a wheat field. First of all, that's Kansas. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> anyway, yes, you jerk. Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> we live in a cul-de-sac, so you know there's a lot of kids on it. So I send him out all the time to play. You know, so that's okay. And he though, knows, right? yeah, yeah, it's okay. I think he knows not to go off the circle because, you know, not that it, we live in a gnarly neighborhood. Still, it's just you know, yeah, just, just don't. stick around. You know, he he's he knows the neighborhood, so if mm-hmm. he gets too far off the reservation, he can get back. But, you know, for the most part, you know, it's, you can't do that anymore. You know, you really can't because I was the same way. I was, I was a free range kid as it used to be called, or I called it in my head. I don't think anybody's ever said that. (laughs) I'm not sure if it's official or not. I would stay out, man. And I would run for miles 
You know, as soon as it got dark, I'd go home. You know, that was your GPS. Yeah. Lights come on. Oh, got to start Get heading home. home yeah. You know, and uh, I just can't. I, I don't see other kids being like that anymore. You know, not within a couple blocks. No, anyway. that's right. Um, you, know, you just hear the, the horrible things. And when we're when we're when you're growing up, it's, you know, but when you become a parent and you see all this stuff. Oh, my God. You know, I have I still to this day have night terrors about so many things. Yeah. And I have to keep it in check because I don't want that to bleed down on mm. my kids, you know. But it's so gnarly out there, and yet, and, and of course, you know, you'd watch Investigation Discovery. Oh yeah, scare the crap out of yourself. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like that everywhere, but it's it's. I mean, at this point, you don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm not taking the goddamn chance. How is it for you with uh, having the baby on tour? It's interesting. It's interesting because <laughs> it's funny because Shadows did the same. Yeah. since he had his new baby. Yeah, and he's got two now, and it's like a different world from the old days it's you know? i mean it's cool because you know obviously you get to see him uh you get to see her right away you know you don't get a lot of sleep mm-hmm. but you is know, that hard for you as a singer part of it nah, you sleep- know because no because my wife's great about taking her and then and allowing me to sleep in a little more so i can you know feel like i'm rested or whatever so which as a singer for people that don't understand is it. very very important you have to it's have the it. most important thing vocal rest is the best thing you can do for yourself yeah. because if you're like us and you love to talk, <laughs> yeah. you'll talk all night, That's wake right. up, ah, God, yeah. I got a gig. Yeah. <laughs> Not good. Yes. So, yeah, she's really good about it. And, uh, you know, and obviously we, we try to go back and forth because she works too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she works in management. Yeah. So, um, but she's, man, she's a trooper. You know, she's, she loves the bus, hangs out on the bus, you know, and then, you know, we got the strollers, we'll take her for walks and whatever and. She just she's digging it, you know. She's got her own bunk now, you know, which we've barricaded and. <laughs> yeah, Matt had that too. It's with crazy. The, the little baby gate. On yeah, the bunk, yeah, you know? yeah. You got to kind of rig it up, and it's like, <laughs> is this sturdy? I mean, it's crazy. You know, it's kind of like the fine tradition of like Ozzy and Sharon. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean? you you know? and that, and that's that. the thing. I mean, no, and you know, I I always I had such trepidations about you know bringing you know the kids out too young. And Steph kind of had to remind me, he's like, look, normal is what you make it. Mm, you know, right. if this is normal for you, it's going to be normal for them. Mm-hmm. It's when you, it's when you don't include them, it becomes abnormal and it's different. And then you're, you're already setting yourself up to have a gap between you and your kids. Mm. And I was like, stop being point, smarter man. than me. <laughs> She's so much smarter than me. It's so, almost like, you know, the Slipknot or, or Stone Sour or the, you know, it's like a family business yeah, at this yeah, point, you know? Yeah, and it really is. Because Stephanie's I mean, very much involved. In, I, oh, she's yeah. management. She, she, she stage manages. Yeah, yeah. She does, she does a lot, a lot of man. Stuff. She does yeah. a lot. And not just with the stuff that I do. I mean, she works with a lot of different bands and uh, does a lot of, not, not only on the road, but, you know, um, you know, in like in the office and, and whatever, like she does a lot of stuff for a lot of people. So she's yeah. a, she's a, she's a master of a lot of hats. Let's put it that way. Well, and, and, and like you said, I mean, it doesn't matter how long the tour is or it doesn't matter where you are when you get your family with you. It's yeah. You, know, live you go home. I go home afterwards. Yeah. You know? Like it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's cool. I, I go in, I do my thing I do all my press, do my meet and greets, play my show. I take a shower and I go and I go, go home. home. It's yeah. rad. It's there's nothing better than that, you know. Yeah. The only thing that would be better is like if, if all my kids were out with me. Mm-hmm. But obviously Griff's got school, and, you know, and they just can't yeah. do it. But you know, during the summers he comes out, you know, so it's cool. And uh, 
We got some tours planned this summer. You do, he's yeah. going to be out summer, with us. So yeah, be, oh, he's going to come with you. Yeah, yeah. He's going to come gotta out. You got to put him to work, though, man. Oh yeah, yeah. Man. Well, when we went out and we did some Stone Sour stuff, Steph was still pregnant, so uh, Griff was my water dude. You know, he was taking care of me, <laughs> and he's over there just rocking the entire night, right? And I come over, and he'd already have it ready, and he was collecting all of the caps from all of the water bottles <laughs> as a reminder. And I was like, that's that's so pretty cute. cool. It's yeah, pretty rad, right? It's so, funny. Yeah. It's funny when you, uh, your kids get like the other day. I was looking through Instagram, yeah, and I saw uh, my son had a picture with his with these three girls that he hangs out with. They're all over at my house doing yeah. whatever, yeah. and I thought, well, that's interesting. But I didn't know my wife was on Instagram, and it wasn't. It was my son. Oh, really? And I was like, I are you on Instagram? He's wow. like, yeah, yeah. Well, I kind of knew, but he doesn't really post much. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I was like, this is it. Now he's yeah. posting. Yeah. And now I'm finding out what he's doing. Yeah. Via social media. Yeah. Because he never told me you know? <laughs> and it's like oh man you know but that's it's like well let's, let's see where the boys are yeah. at you know <laughs> you guys uh i mean you, just the final thing is that um i mean slipknot now i think is probably the biggest you guys have ever been do you, do you feel the same way definitely i mean which is weird you know like we didn't expect i mean we didn't expect it mm -hmm. i mean we, we you know this for us we were we were ready just for anything um so when it blew up again you know, it, it really took us by surprise, and it just seems to be getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And we're playing to a lot of people who've never seen us before, which is bizarre, mm -hmm. you know. But it feels good, man. I, I think that's a testament to what this band is all about. You know, it's not just about the scary masks and everything. It's about the music, the art behind it, the the creativity, the fact that we've devoted, you know, 16 years professionally now to it. It, it feels good to know that, know we can still we can go away for a little bit deal with the things that we had to deal with come back and still have it hit mm -hmm. just as big if not you know if not bigger, bigger right so yeah i mean it's crazy who have thought we'd had one number one album let alone two right i'm uh, all right <laughs> well we're talking what's the name of the, the title of the book again I want to uh hear. you're making me hate you i, I won't put you through the long i want to hear the title. whole thing though Oh, oh, you have to look it up too. I have to look it up. All right, yeah. I, I I have it here. I just want to. Know, I just want to. <laughs> Hold on, I've got you. it. I've got it. We're both looking on our phones. Yeah, it's. Uh, oh, hold you're on. making me it? hate you. A cantankerous look at the common misconception that humans have any common sense left. <laughs> Your third book, man. My third. We're tied I now. I got to go crazy. write some more stuff. Try and figure out what the hell I'm going to talk about. <laughs> thanks, dude. Thank you, sir. Hey, thanks to Corey Taylor for making his second appearance on Talk Is Jericho. He's got his third book called "You're Making Me Hate You: A Cantankerous Look at the Common Misconception That Humans Have Any Common Sense Left." And if you got any common sense, you'll find it on Amazon. My oldest sponsor here on TIJ. Use the links to pick it up. You know how to find him. You go to podcastone.com. Click on the supporter sponsors banner at the top of the page, then hit talk is Jericho. I got links to Amazon UK, Amazon USA, Amazon Canada A. You're doing your online shopping through my Amazon links. It's the easiest way to support the show. No extra fees or hidden challenges. You just get what you need, and Amazon kicks back a small percentage of your purchase to help us cover production costs. Once again, go to podcastone.com. Click on the talk is Jericho button. You'll find all my Amazon links right there, and you'll also find all of my Y2J WWE summer tour dates on WWE.com. It's already almost halfway done. That's crazy.
crazy. It's gone by so fast after the Tokyo shows and great time in Boston and Reading and Vegas. July 10th, this Friday, I'll be in Philadelphia. On the 11th, I'll be in Pittsburgh. July 31st, San Diego means Wells Vagina. August 1st, Ontario, California. August 2nd, Fresno, California. Still a handful of Fozzie dates as well. July 24th in Kitchener. August 8th in Hamilton at the Festival of Friends. August 9th, Heavy Montreal. October 30th, we're embarking on the KISS cruise with the KISS Navy. Go to FozzyRock.com for all ticket info and all information about the next leg of the Cinderblock Party Tour back in the Europe and back in the UK starting November 12th in Germany with Nonpoint Sumo Cycle. Get your tickets now. We're going to Hamburg, Berlin, Cologne, Reading, London, Manchester, Birmingham, Newcastle, Sheffield. So many dates. Go to FozzyRock.com. they got all the 411. Don't forget to watch Tough Enough as well. I'll talk about episode three on Friday. we got so much stuff going on here. I'm blowing my mind. I'm losing my mind. And even better, on Friday, you know who's going to be here? Raven. That's right. I ain't talking about the rock and roll band either. I'm talking about Raven, the, uh, the, 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 the master of of the DDT, one of the architects of ECW. Got a long conversation with Raven coming up. Stay hard, stay hungry, and a big yeah, boy, and we'll see you on Friday. You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcast1.com. That's podcastone.com. 